in Genesis 14 this morning as we look at God's word as truth. I want to look at the generosity of Abraham. I ask you to turn to Genesis 14. And when you find that, if you'll stand in our God's honor, as I read sections aloud of the chapter. At this time, Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elassar, Kedor Renomer, king of Elam, and Tittle, king of Coam, went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Ursha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admah, Shemaber, king of Zabuim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Sedum, the salt sea. For twelve years they had been subject to Caterlamor, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And drop down to verse 10. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mom, the Amorite, a brother of Eskel, and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Keterlamar, the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shevna, that is the king's valley. And then 21 through 24, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the throng of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Aner, Esau, and Mamre. Let them have their share. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this account of this man the scriptures refer to as your friend. Father, I pray that you help us as we take time to look at the generosity, Father, of this man and bigger picture, your generosity to us, God. Without that generosity, we would be a people without any hope. And I just pray that you open our hearts and eyes to that. We need you, Lord. We need to hear from you. And I just pray that you would speak well beyond what I am able, that the Holy Spirit would speak, and that our hearts would hear from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You look in a chapter like this and you say, man, there are all these details. There are these names of kings. I took a Bible dictionary. I thought, man, how do you pronounce these things? 
what do they mean? And I was looking at all these names, and I'm like, I know I'm going to mispronounce some of them. As a friend of mine used to say, when he did Bible reading, he said, I just gave up. And when it got to one of those names, I'd just say, hard word, hard word. And that was it. That, that was, you know, that was enough. <laughs> and then you, you come through here, and, and you see those details, and, and you see these places, and, and you read about these kings that go into battle. And, you know, it, it, it's almost like some picture in this day and time of, Game of Thrones or something with all these kings at odds with each other and as there's this mighty attack. And, and then there's this priest that theologians have talked about and debated and, and you know, all those deep questions. But the truth of the matter is, as you search a little deeper, as you look into this chapter, what I really see that stands out is the generosity of Abram. And guys, as I think about our land, and I loved, uh, I was so moved by Annette's passion. What really matters? What really matters when you take away the, the, the layers and you get down to the heart? What's there? It's generosity. It's the generosity of God. You see, when this country was formed, there were a group of people that longed to just worship God's generosity. Who just wished to say, if not for the generosity of God that led Jesus Christ to a cross to suffer and to become my sacrifice, then then life has no meaning. It has no hope because I'm such a mess. As the scriptures say, a sinner. And there were people that came and, and this land was formed. This great land is a place to start over. Has a place of hope. Has a place to honor that generosity of a God who loves us. You see, we get lost in, in, in some of the details. And, and I see that in our land now. We should have a right to speak about how generous God is. We should have a right to speak of the generosity of God and, and His sacrifice at the cross. You know, he, he talks about in the Scriptures that to some, He was a stumbling block. But to others, the very power of God. And as, as we look at our land, as, as we look at us, um, you can't get away from that. You can't get away from that. And I think as we look at Abram this morning, I, I just want to point out um, some areas of of generosity, and actually in this outline that I passed out, it's not like we're going to be, okay, we're going to cover number one, then number two, number three, number four. Now, I just want you to look at these principles. And as we go through this text here, I want you to notice how Abram lives these out. How he is generous. How he puts that into practice. And and it reminds us of the call that we have to do exactly that. Um, to be a, a people who are generous because of the generosity that has been so beautifully shown to us. Uh, just briefly, going over these principles, and then we're going to jump in the text. The generous are not selfish. It's, it, you know... The main subject is not always me, me, me. Although, you know, that's 
I wasn't really trying to sing. It just came out to me more than anything. But, you know, self-centeredness. Generous people, that, that's not the focus. There's a willingness to sacrifice for others. You see, the look is not always inward, but it's upward and it's outward. And when we look upward and we see God's generosity, it causes us to look outward and to be generous. Uh, third, there is an absence of greed. It's an unwillingness just to hold tightly everything that we're able to attain. Like that's all that life is about. I love what Corey Tinboom uh, you know, used to say when, when she would talk. She said, I've learned to hold on to that which God has given me loosely. Because it really hurts when God has to wrench free my hands. They're holding so tightly to what I think I deserve. But, but the generous, are, there, there's that absence of greed. And then the fourth, self-promotion's not the main goal. It's not about just moving up the ladder. It's not about just receiving some kind of medal or some kind of award or some kind of honor. It's not about that. At all. Matter of fact, as you look back in chapter 13, God had blessed Abram and Lot so much. They had these huge herds. And they had these workers that were with them. And the land, it says, there just wasn't room to branch out because there were so many of them. God's blessings were so evident, and, and there began to be some grumbling. See, they weren't really much different than we are today. We kind of grumble, don't we? Get upset over stuff. It doesn't really matter. On chapter 13, it talks about some grumbling that was going on. And who was the land given to? Abram. God said, this is your land. But instead of holding on selfishly to that land, he turned to his nephew Lot and he said, Lot, just look around all this land and choose where you'd like to go. See, he wasn't holding on to that tightly because his relationship with his nephew mattered more than the stuff and and so lot took off he headed toward this land that was pleasing to the eye man it was the oasis it it was the the great place on vacation you know that place on the postcard it was it was a beautiful place and he didn't try to hold on to that he didn't try to tell lot what to do he lovingly Supported him as he took off. So he shows that type of generosity. And, and we don't know how much time has elapsed between chapters 13 and 14. But we do open up and, you know, these verses talk about four kings battling against five kings. And this major battle ensues. And then in uh, verse 10, it begins to describe how, how in the battle... Uh, that raged around them, but some of the men fled. They ran off. You know, what a story. There's tar pits involved in here. Verse 12, we read, it says, they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. You know, it's interesting. As you look at this section of Scripture, you know, it'd be very easy for Abram to say, well, he chose that land. Why should I get involved? It's his life. Why should I? Why should I run out there? Why should I stick my neck on the line? But it's very obvious as you look at this section of scripture. 
He loves Lot. Lot's in trouble. Lot needs to be rescued. And the focus of Abram is not, I'm just going to sit in this comfortable place while my nephew's in danger. Man, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to go to his rescue. Have you ever been rescued? Have you ever been in a situation where there just seemed no way out? And somebody came to help you? Uh, I remember when I was in college, you know, college students, we didn't really have two nickels to rub together hardly. We managed to get some money together, headed down to St. Augustine uh, with some friends. Uh, I just rode with them. Got stuck down there. Radiator busted. What are we going to do? Nobody had any money. I called home desperate. Dad, we are stuck. Dad, sent some money. Got it fixed. Uh, you know, it still bothers me to this day. Nobody ever offered to pay Dad back for that. He just took it out. He said, he'd ask me every once in a while, Son, what's going on there? They're going to pay us back. It went a couple of times. But the fact of the matter is, he didn't do it for the money. He, he didn't do it so he could be looked at as, you know, a great dad. He did it because he loved me. I needed to be rescued. I was stuck down there. We were stuck down there. Lot, he must have felt helpless. I mean, he, he is now, you know, part of the victory spoil of these other kings. What's he going to do? And to his rescue comes his uncle Abram. It's interesting here. Uh, drop down to verse 14. It says, hey, when Abram heard his relative, that's a lot, had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as them. Isn't it interesting? These 318 men who worked among the herds, who had all these jobs and they had all these roles, somewhere along the line, Abram had military training for these guys. They were ready for a confrontation, a military conflict. They were able to defend themselves. They were trained. They were ready. They had thought about what might happen, just to be prepared, just in case. But Abram wasn't just doing this just to protect him. He obviously was ready to protect those who needed to be protected. Abram protected his nephew. He went in pursuit of him. I thought it was kind of interesting here. It talks about where he was near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite. Remember, the Amorites later on became enemies. But at this point, he was a friend of Abram. This was a place near Hebron, uh, a couple of miles from Hebron. I read it was about 19 miles from Jerusalem. I mean, it was a place later on that would have a lot of significance for King David and God's holy people. But he left that place and he took off to rescue, to save his nephew. Verse 15 says he had some military strategy. During the night, he divided his men. He attacked them. He routed them. He, he recovered all the goods. And here's the big part, verse 16. He brought back his nephew Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. See, his, his, his generosity. He saw those who needed to be saved. 
those who needed to be rescued, those who had been captured. I guess in a real sense, isn't that our call? We live with a lot of people that they're just trapped. I could go through a list of things that trap them. I mean, ultimately, that it's just sin. It's being apart from God. And, and some don't even know they're trapped. Uh, it seems like a lot of times I'm seeing I pray in the morning, I think of 2 Corinthians 4, 4 that says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They're blinded. They can't even see the darkness that has trapped them, that has covered them, that has them enslaved. And they certainly aren't aware of the light. And that light is the gospel of Christ. It's Jesus. He's the one who displays the image of God. It's in Christ alone that we speak and that we stand. And how can we be quiet about that? He's our Savior. He's our Deliverer. And, and Abram is a picture of this. He goes as a Deliverer to, to rescue Lot and to bring him out of that, that dangerous place. And you know, it's interesting as you look through here. I don't ever see Lot saying, thank you, Abram. There's no mention of, of a word of gratitude from Lot. He wasn't doing it for the gratitude. He was doing it because he loved Lot. Becoming a Christian is understanding I need to be rescued. And then we see Jesus and we see how he comes, how he came to our rescue. And, and each day, oh, have we been saved? But. The scripture indicates we are being saved as his grace continues to, to pour over us and to strengthen us and to lead us and to guide us and to give us life. And, and it says, and we will be saved as we are in his presence for all of eternity. And I, I think this is this picture of Abram as he goes in rescue of his nephew. There, there's a, there's a, a picture of rescue of Christ. Now, I want to get down uh, through this because time goes by so Quick and there's a great picture here. There's so many people that have talked about this priest Melchizedek and you know what what he where he came from and all of that. But let's just look at verse 18. I want to come through the end of the chapter and try to wrap this up. It says Melchizedek, king of Salem. Salem, a place that means peace. King of peace. You can see why some speak of him as for as a picture of Jesus, King of Peace. Melchizedek, King of Peace. It says he came out to meet him in, in the valley, the King's Valley. Then Melchizedek, King of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram. So here's Abram. He's out there with the King of Sodom. They're talking. And here comes this priest of the Most High, the priest of God. And, and he, he, he doesn't, evidently, he doesn't even speak to this king of Sodom. But he speaks to this farmer. And by the way, can you imagine? I mean, 
Can you imagine if they made a show on this where you got these nine kings that are fighting and you got this herd herder, this herdsman, uh, this shepherd, this leader who gets a ragtag crew of 318 and goes in and defeats nine kings, uh, those that are left of those warriors. Man, what a picture. So he was somewhat of a celebrity. But here's this former king, the king of Sodom, and this priest, he, he doesn't. He doesn't speak to him. He speaks to Abram. And what's he say to him? Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. He gives the credit to God Most High. He says, look at that. Blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. I love that. This priest, he, he goes by this king who's got the prestige. And he looks at this guy. He says, God knows you. God is the one who brought you victory. The emphasis on God. It's a great thing. And then notice what Abram did next. Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And you say, well, he tithed. But here's the deal. This was before the Mosaic law. This was before the idea of tithing or giving a tenth of what you had occurred. This idea didn't come from Melchizedek. He didn't say, you know, uh, you know, if you're grateful to God, you, you need to give a tenth, Abram. None of that occurred. So where did he get this idea? And looking back through the scriptures, it doesn't mention it. So what does it tell me? This is something that happened in Abram's private time with the living God. As he prayed, as he sought God's heart. He began to see that God is a generous God. And I believe that his generosity totally comes out of that understanding of God is generous. And I need to be generous. And so he says, God's given me all of this. At least a tenth of it. I think somewhere in there, he said, at least a tenth of this can be an act of worship to God. And, and that's what he did. He, he, he gave him that that. Tenth, and so he wasn't filled with greed. He, he, was, he was generous as, as he provided that. And one last word as I, I get ready to close here. He, he talks about um, talking to this king of Sodom. King of Sodom, he, he said, look, I, you can keep a bunch of this stuff. I just want the people back. But here's what Abram responded. He said, uh, verse 22, Abram said to the king, I've raised my hand to the Lord. God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and taken an oath. I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Aner, Eskel, and Mamre. Let them have their share so what's he saying I, you know I've talked with God about this and he's the source of my blessings I don't want it to be said that it came from you O king it comes from the God most high it comes from my king and he is the one that's going to deserve the credit and the last thing is as I close here that's so powerful to me even though he spent that time with God, and even though that's his conviction and that's his belief, 
He doesn't say, guys, you can't have any of it. You faithful guys who fought with me. But he says, um, the share that belongs to the men who went with me, hey, let them have their share. In other words, I'm not going to force them to do what I feel led to do. If, if Let them have their share if they so choose. We're in a time and we're in a land where you have to say certain things or you're wrong. Or you have to look a certain way or you're wrong. And there's no grace. There's no tolerance unless you say it a certain way. But that's not the generosity of our God. That's not the idea of how this country was founded. There's an idea of, of a sense of freedom that comes, but freedom only comes and makes sense when we are slaves to the living God. And when we see Him, the God of all. And people are watching us. As I close this, I close with a, a story that happened um, in an earlier time where a preacher had gotten on a transportation and the guy who was uh, took the money for him to travel he, he gave him back too much change and so the preacher he goes back he sits down and he's looking at that change he gave me too much change well he could have thought praise be to God look at this blessing look at this money it's a blessing of God that I got well he sat and he looked at it for a while God got a hold of his heart and said, you need to tell him. He gave you too much change back. So he went to the front and he talked to the guy before he got off. And he said, you gave me too much change. I think you've made a mistake. He said, oh, I didn't make any mistake. He said, I was at your church last night and you were preaching on honesty. And I wanted to see if you're honest. We represent a God and others are watching. Are we going to be generous? That's the call. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we live in a land that has been very generous. And I believe that the heritage of that, the DNA of that, goes back because when this land was formed, there were people here who were just so grateful that they could worship you as they felt led. That... Lord, they had a freedom that came from the great God who delivered them. And Father, we still, as we gather, Lord, we care about the fact that you rescued us. And Father, we're grateful that now we're able to still meet. And I pray that you give us courage, Lord, to talk about how generous you are to other people. And to let them know that the smile and the joy that we have is because we understand how generous God is. And and we're called to be generous. And I, I thank you for Abram's example. And Father, may we too catch a glimpse of your great generosity and be generous, not just with our money, but be generous with our lives. And I pray for that, Lord. And, and who knows, maybe there's one here this morning that, Father, just needs to grab a hold of that generosity, that gift of eternal life, of a new start comes from you. I, I pray this might be the morning to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a new chance. I need your forgiveness. Enter my heart. 
Thank you for dying for me. Lord, make me new. I pray, Father, that if anyone needs to do that this morning, that would happen. And I pray that we would leave here with a new heart to be generous because we have received so much from the God who is so extravagant in his generosity toward us (laughs) that he sent his son to the cross. As we stand and as we sing, Lord, guide us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.